Crosswalk series. In week one, Kevin Siddle talked to us about the importance of study, grounding ourselves in the Word. In week two, our friend Ashley Cooper talked to us about witness. And now in week three, our own Carbon Wibbles is going to talk to us about giving. Not only giving of resources, but giving of ourselves. I have found Carmen to be one of the most incredible examples of giving that I have ever met. Not only does she have uh, a spirit of generosity, she also has a true spirit to invest her time in the lives of others. I am so excited to see what Carmen is going to share with us tonight. Push play on the next one. Okay, maybe we need to go over this one more time. Do we have to? Well, sweetie, I don't know if you're getting a good grasp of the ratios here. Fine. Okay, all right, step by step. Before we spend any money, what's the first thing that we do? Give to God. Good, and why do we do that? Because he first loved and gave to us. Good, 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 good. Okay, great. Now the second jar here is for so many different things. Hold on. What? God lives in heaven, right? Yeah, he lives in heaven. And heaven has streets paved with gold, right? Streets paved with gold, sure, yes. So why does he need my money if I don't even have a job? <laughs> okay, all right, so good question. So basically when we give to God, we're, we're giving to the church. So the church gives the money to God? No, the church keeps the money. Oh, does God know about this? <laughs> yes, he uh, basically built the system, yeah. Okay, good. Okay. See, sweetie, as you grow up, there is nothing better than giving back to God. In the Bible, it's the only place God says, test me on this. When it comes to your money, he says, test me. It's almost like he's saying, I dare you. And your mom and I, we do just that. Even when things are tough, we always give the first part of our money back to God. And then the church takes that money and does all kinds of things to make God famous, uh, like camps and mission trips and even VBS that you love so much, and even helps out people that are in need. You can't outgive God. And when God says test and you do it, he will come through every single time. Okay, then I get it. I do have one question, though. Okay. Why do we need to test God if he already knows all the answers? That's, that's good. Let me just retrace my steps here just for a minute. All right. Welcome, everyone. Take a nice deep breath in and blow it out. We are only going to talk a little bit about tithe, but we are going to talk a lot about generosity. So bear with me. <clears throat> I grew up in a Christian home. Um, we went to church every time the doors were open, Sunday morning, Sunday night, 
uh, Wednesday night, and then on Thursday night, I remember my grandpa, who was always dressed to the nines, putting on his suit on Thursday evening, tie and the whole works, um, and he would put on his smells good. Uh, back then, I think it was either uh, Brute or Old Spice, um, and he always had certs in his pocket, and out he would go, and he was going from door to door and he was sharing the gospel and telling people about Jesus. So that's just a little bit about um, how I grew up. I know that my dad worked very hard outside the home, and my mom worked very hard inside the home. I remember tithe was a must. From a very young age, I remember that tithe was the first thing that came out of the paycheck. And then mom would work to mastermind the rest, paying bills and putting food on the table. And mom also made a lot of my clothes. Um, she would make my dresses and outfits. We never lacked for anything. We were happy, healthy, and we enjoyed life. We were always joyful. I believe that we were so blessed and that we never lacked because my dad and my mom made certain that the first fruits of their labor went to God to grow the kingdom. And that's what tithing is all about, growing God's kingdom. The word tithe comes from the Hebrew word maser, meaning a tenth. So, <clears throat> Let's uh, take a look at that number 10. It's used 242 times in the Bible. The meaning of the number 10 is that of wholeness, totality, and perfection. All right, who wants to play a game? Can we play a game? Yes? All right, here we go. From Adam to Noah, there were how many generations? Good. How many plagues were brought on Egypt? Extra credit. Can you name them? Water turning to blood. Frogs. Somebody said frogs. Lice. Locusts. Darkness. Boils. Hail. Livestock pestilence. We're missing one. Firstborn, yes. Okay, killing of the firstborn. Good job, you guys. You get extra credit. During the reign of King Hezekiah, he asked for a confirmatory sign from the prophet Isaiah to verify that all Isaiah had predicted was true. And God caused the shadow on a sundial to go backwards. How many degrees? Ten. Are you noticing a pattern here? Yes? Okay. In the temple, there were how many basins, lampstands, and tables? Ten. Okay. On what day of the first month was a lamb to be chosen, by, uh, chosen for the Passover? Ten. Okay. Jesus healed how many lepers? In the parable of the virgins, how many virgins were there? And... Five? Right, good. 
How many times did God test Israel while they were in the wilderness? Say it louder. How many disciples were there? Twelve. Oh, I got somebody over here. <laughs> Twelve. All right. And how many fingers and toes did God give us? Ten. And in the Old Testament, a tithe or a tenth was to be given to God. So there's obviously uh, more um, with these 10 numbers, since there's 242. But you can see that there is a significance with the number 10, right? Now, in the Old Testament, tithes were given to God from proceeds of land and animals. In Genesis, we know that Abraham and Jacob gave a tithe to God. The Israelites were also commanded to tithe from their earnings. The Bible is very clear in Leviticus 27.30. It says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. And Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. So the Israelites didn't wait to be inspired to tithe. It was the expectation for the Israelites. I know what you're thinking. So, that was back then, Carmen. What about now? Are Christians, are, are we to tithe? The short answer is no. The law of Moses mandated the tithe to support the Levites in their priestly service and to support orphans and widows. Look at Deuteronomy 14, verse 28 through 29. It says, At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites, who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and foreigners, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns, may come and eat and be satisfied, and so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. The Levitical tithe was considered the sacred tithe. It was the first tenth of the harvest and was consecrated to God. It was given to the Levites, a tribe that was set aside to be priests and caretakers of the tabernacle and everything inside the tabernacle. But they were not allowed to own any land. So this tithe is what they lived on. Then Christ's sacrifice of himself removed the need for Levitical priesthood, and the principal purpose for the Old Testament tithe is no longer needed. So after God comes, it's no longer needed. And we move into the New Testament. We know it doesn't speak of a tithe, but it does talk about giving. A couple of ways that believers are to give is to give generously. Luke 6 verse 30 says, give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. You know, when I see someone on a corner and they have um, a sign, and they're looking for a handout. I'm going I'm to be real honest with you all tonight. I used to pass them by. 
Because I would think in my mind, I don't know that they'll use that money for food. But you know what? God spoke to me, and he said, that is not for you to determine, Carmen. Leave that up to me. If I put it on your heart to give to somebody, give to that person and let me take care of the rest. So I'm just to do what I am asked to do. So we're to give generously, and we're to give Secondly, with a good attitude, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Don't give reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. How many times have you started to give and thought, mm, you know, I've got I've got something coming up this week that I really could use a little more money for. Or when you go to give, you give out of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You give like you feel like, because you feel like you have to give, right? That's not what God is calling us to do. He wants our hearts to be right with him. He doesn't want it to feel like an obligation. He wants our hearts to be right with him and to give cheerfully for God to bless it and to use it for his kingdom. So we should give generously and with good attitude. I want to talk a little bit more about generosity, and I'm going to give you five principles of generosity from a biblical perspective. Number one, generosity is a simple act. It can be as simple as buying someone lunch or taking someone a meal that you know is in need. This is a type of generosity that pleases God. You know what? I know some people in this congregation that are really good at this. They don't, they don't ask questions. They just do. And that is a true gift. Our Christ Church women are like this. Our faith and friendship group are like this as well. They hear of someone in need and they're lifting them in prayer and they're taking them meals. And some of them are even cleaning houses, y'all. And I just think that truly speaks to their hearts. Oh, and let me brag on the Christchurch men for just a little bit too. These guys are so awesome, and they are continually seeking ways that they can help God's people and help to further the kingdom. Most recently, I had three of them come to me, and they have a heart to go to people's homes and to read scripture with them, and to pray with them, and just visit with them. And um, so I have three gentlemen that I've signed up on the congregational care team, and they're going to be going in the homes for those people who can't make it to church um, in their private homes, as well as uh, in some of the assisted living and nursing homes. And that just spoke to my heart that our men wanted to do that and that God was uh, moving in that way. I believe that God is pleased with them, don't you? Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, sacrifices God is pleased. 
The second principle of generosity is that it shows where your heart is. 1 Corinthians 13, 3. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Generosity is not about doing something for someone so that you can show others what a good person you are. It's about loving others as Christ loves others. It's a condition of your heart. It's a love that God has given you for his people. And that love comes out in generosity. Number three, generosity is more than just giving money. 1 Timothy 6.18, command them to do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and to be willing to share, giving our time, our resources, our talents, or even just being a listening ear or a kind word can be an expression of generosity to people who are in need. Consider volunteering here at Christ Church or in our community Maybe all you need to do is send an email of an encouragement to somebody to encourage one of your Christ Church family members here. All of this is showing generosity towards each other. Our um, Christ uh, Church groups, we have some groups at Christ Church that you all do not hear much about. And I know that because I don't hear much about them. They're a quiet group that comes in, works, does their thing in ministry. Um, And what they do is really heartfelt and touching, and it truly shows the love of Christ. We have a prayer shawl ministry, and I brought one here. These prayer shawls, ladies get together, and they crochet them. And um, they go over their shoulders. And this just lets them know that somebody is lifting them up and praying for them. And I just think that is so awesome. And, the, um, and this is the, the one that goes in the, um, it's a pocket um, uh, prayer piece. And I want to read to you what it says here. It goes in every one they hand out. It says, slide me in your pocket, toss me in your bag, lay me in the dresser, or just fold me in your hand. I'm here to remind you that you are not alone. God is always with you, and people have been and are praying for you from Christ Church. How awesome is that? And then there's another group, and they get together, and they make these hats for the preemie babies and the babies who are in the hospital and have them delivered to the hospital. And you don't know how much this means to um, a mom who's sitting hours at the bedside of her sick baby. So that is truly some awesome ministries that we have. Um, And this is, they're truly showing the love of God in their hearts, right? Uh, We also have what we call College Connections, and this is a group that gets together, and they do cards and send them out to um, our uh, 
college students. When I was in seminary, I received some of these cards, and they meant so much to me. And I wasn't even away at seminary. I was right here. But just to know that my Christchurch family supported me and they were encouraging me, um, that meant so much. And um, that is a terrific ministry as well. I think most recently they even started sending gift cards um, in those cards that they're sending out. So we're very blessed here uh, to have some uh, people that God has laid extraordinary ministries in their heart, right? I mean, these are things that I had never heard of before I came to Christ Church. So um, we are very blessed. You know, God gives each of us gifts, and we are to use those gifts that he gives us for the kingdom. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. One translation says that he planned for us even before our birth. We see here that we are God's masterpiece. He has made us for a specific skill and a specific purpose for good works. Now let me remind you, good works is not what saves you. But when you have the love of Jesus in your heart, it makes you want to do these good works. Let's read the last part of verse 10 there again. It says, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And here he's speaking of those good works. He had already planned the good works that he wants for us to do. And you know what? There is no need for us to imitate others. He has something very unique, a unique plan for each of us to serve him. He's given each of you unique gifts. My gifts are different than Shelley's gifts. Shelley's gifts are different than Susan's gifts. And so on and so forth. Urban has different gifts. We all have different and unique gifts. If your gift is to crochet, crochet for the glory of God. If it's to sing, sing for the glory of God. If you're a greeter, do you realize how important our greeters are? You are the first face that people see when they walk through those doors. You are the first impression when people walk through that door. So we need to do that for the glory of God. If you have a heart for prayer, do it for the glory of God. Some people say, I can't do anything. I can't get out. I can't drive. It takes nothing for you to sit at home and pray for others. Amen? You can be a prayer warrior. And, uh, oh, by the way, if you have a, a heart for kids, Amanda said to call her ASAP. <laughs> she is always looking for volunteers. Are you getting the point here, y'all? 
Generosity teaches us also to trust God, and this is number four. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19 says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Giving generously is an opportunity for us to trust in God's provision and to trust God, trust in God rather than our riches, our belongings. Number five, generosity is a blessing. Acts 20.35, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. This verse reminds us that giving to someone in need can bring us a sense of fulfillment and joy. You know that really cool feeling that you feel when you do something for somebody else? You know that feeling? That is a blessing from God. So we are blessed as we bless others. Generous people... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to move on now to five characteristics of generous people. Generous people give out whatever, give out of whatever they have, whether it is large or small. Do you recall the story of the widow in the temple in Luke 21? Jesus was in the temple, and the rich people were bringing in all their gifts and all their monies and dropping them off. And then the poor widow put in two small coins. And Jesus said, she has given more than all of the rest of them because she gave all that she had. Generous people give out of whatever they have, be it large or small. Number two, generous people give more than just their money. A great example of this is in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. It's the story of the good Samaritan that gave his time and resources and skill to help the man that was left dead on the side of the road. Number three, generous people give to see the impossible become possible One of my favorite stories that we see in Matthew, the 14th chapter, verse 14 through 21, it's uh, the little boy that gave his lunch to Jesus to feed the 5,000. That little boy was giving away his own lunch to help others. That one little boy's act of generosity set into motion the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Isn't that awesome? Number four, generous people give more than they are asked to give. Remember the story in Exodus 36 where God's people were bringing supplies and materials and everything they needed to build the sanctuary. And they continued every morning to bring supplies until they had more than enough. And Moses had to tell them not to bring any more gifts. Y'all, that's generous people. Number five, generous people give as a result of their own transformation or because Jesus has changed their life. 
A great example of this is the story of Zacchaeus, a tax collector, whom God worked in his life, and he goes from being a collector of money to a giver of money. I guess you could say that's what happened to me. Um, I have a confession. I have not always been a good steward of my money. I let money control me. And in fact, I'll go as far as to say money at one point was my idol. I remember being um, a staff nurse. And I was a happy staff nurse. Just went to work, did my thing, went home. And then they coerced me into being a manager. Ah. And they coerced me with money. And so um, I did, I got into management, and they continued to coerce me with money. And I continued to work my way up through the hospital system. Not because I loved leadership, but because I loved the money. Now, I would eventually lean in and uh, learn to be a good leader, and I do enjoy leading now. But that was not my original intent. My original intent was for that money. My first job as a chief nursing officer and a vice president at a hospital was up north. I worked for one of the best CEOs I have ever worked for. He took myself and the chief financial officer out daily for lunch. That's where we did business. We talked over things. We talked about initiatives that we wanted to do. And I really liked him because he did not always agree with me, but he, he supported whatever decision I made. And so that meant so much to me. I remember the day I told him that I was resigning to work for a larger healthcare organization. He was heartbroken. But I was made an offer I couldn't refuse. And yes, it had to do with money. I went to work for a for-profit system, and as I was making a lot of money, but you know what? I had no time to enjoy it. I worked seven days a week, and some of those days were 24-hour days. And so then there was another CEO that contacted me about coming to work for him. Guess what? More money. And I said, well, of course I'll come. I was making more money than I ever dreamed that I could make. I was also spending it like it was water. There was nothing I was doing with my money that was building the kingdom of God. And I professed to be a Christian. At this point in my life, church and God in the rearview mirror, y'all. I remember when it came to a halt and God brought me to my knees. You see, I wasn't being a good steward of my money. I was not being generous to others. And I certainly wasn't giving to God. And Gary and I lost it all. Gary had semi-retired at the time because I was making so much money, he didn't need to work. And so he, 
do you all remember the, the movie Mr. Mom? That's what he called himself, Mr. Mom. <laughs> and so he wasn't working, and now I had no job. For a year, for a year, God worked on us. I had never, and you heard my story, I had never applied for a job that I didn't get. Never. And when I lost my job there, I began to apply. And I interviewed, and I never got hired. One year. And I am glad to say that during that year, God brought my husband and I back to him. It was like the prodigal son and daughter story, if you will. God forgave us. He accepted us back with open arms. And although we had a lot of tough times, he made certain we never did without. Gary and I make the least amount of money that we have ever made in our married life. We're coming up on 37 years, by the way. And we make the least amount of money that we have ever made. And you know what? We are more blessed than we have ever been. And I know it's because we are obedient in giving our tithes and our offerings to God. We're better stewards of our money, and we strive to be generous in giving to others. Charles Stanley said this about generous people. A generous spirit has nothing to do with how much money we have, but rather how much of us the Lord has. I'm going to read it again. A generous spirit has nothing to do with how much money we have, but rather how much of us the Lord has. When we're fully surrendered to him, he provides the grace we need to share whatever we have, whether it's time, treasures, or talents. I think what he's saying here is that we are the greatest gift that we can give. We can give ourselves. We all have gifts that God has given us, but maybe you're not using them for whatever reason. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you're not using your gifts because of something negative someone said to you. Whatever thought the devil has put in your mind, I am here to tell you he is a liar and a thief. God has given you gifts, unique gifts, and he wants you to use them for his glory. As we wrap this up, I want to conclude with five reasons that we should give. We give because Jesus gave. He gave his son. He gave the biggest gift of all. And our goal is to be more Christ-like, right? Not to be Christian. Anybody can call themselves a Christian. Anybody can walk around with a Bible app on their phone. But we really want to be more Christ-like. We really want to be the hands and the feet 
of Jesus. Number two, we give because, guess what? It all belongs to him anyway, right? And he's just loaning it to us. We give because it's an investment in the kingdom. Number four, we give because it demonstrates our faith that God will provide no matter what. If we are obedient with our gifts, God will provide for us. And number five, we give because he promises that he will open the windows of heaven upon us. Malachi 3, 10 through 12 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not far fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord. I think the Apostle Paul summed it up in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 7. Here's what it says. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Christ Church family, God has given each of us gifts And we need to begin to use those gifts because our gift is not about us. It's about bringing glory to God. Tithing was used by God in the Old Testament to take care of his people. Today, Christ works through your tithes and offerings and your service to advance the kingdom and to bless others. If you are a member of Christ Church, part of our vows is to uphold Christ Church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and witness. Are we keeping those vows? Would tonight be a great night for you to pray about that and to renew that commitment? Josh is going to play. The altar is open for you to come and pray. Let me pray with you. Father, first and foremost, thank you that you gave us the best gift of all, your son Jesus. Jesus.
Father, if there's someone here tonight that doesn't know you, I pray that they'll not leave these doors without seeking you. Father, thank you that you have given each one of us a gift, a unique gift. Father, I pray that you will lead, guide, and direct us so that we can live into that gift. And Father, I pray that our eyes, our ears, and our hearts are open to receive and to listen and to do. Father, thank you for this time tonight. I pray that we can take this word throughout the week and continue to think about the gifts that you have given us that we can use. All these things we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. That name above all names. Amen.